Friday nights at 9 p.m. It's time to sit back, relax, and play conspiracy bingo with Echoplex Media. We've curated the best conspiracy theorists the internet has to offer and turned it into a live bingo game you can play for free with absolutely no prizes but bragging rights. You won't find a live stream like this anywhere else, and that's probably better for everyone else's mental health. Tune in every Friday at 9 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia and find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. Now, broadcasting from deep within your stepmom's basement, it's the Echoplex Podcast.
All right, everybody, welcome to Down Ballot. We do this show live every Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, right here on Twitch at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. You can find me on Grinder because I'm Producer Dave. And this is the councilman. You can find me out back at City Hall digging through dumpsters looking for that dirt that no one else wants you to find. Uh, I'm also looking to eminent domain your grandma's house, so watch out. Look out. You can find me on Twitter at T-H-E underscore Councilman uh, or here every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. Pacific with producer Dave as always um, with the bad baby in the background and the good wife holding down the point on that. Uh, but welcome as always. And uh, to listener, please uh, keep downloading, keep sharing with your friends and come over to Twitch sometime and watch us live. It's really fun if you're available. Um, and if you're not available, you know, keep downloading and listen to it later. But, you know. You know, you don't see on Twitch though. Is like while we were while while Councilman was sitting there, kind of in the waiting room for the show, he was pulling up pictures of his kid on his phone. Like we were in line at the store. Yeah. yeah. Hey, have you heard about my baby? Did you know I have a baby? Did you know (laughs) I have a baby? Have you heard about my baby? Did you know my baby rolled over yesterday? Yes, I I plan to. uh, We have already, I believe, twelve hundred pictures in our shared album. Oh my god. Uh, Yes. Uh, All ninety nine percent of them, uh, Rebels Camp. So uh, we're, we, will, we will definitely have many, many to share someday. But uh, for now, actually, I don't think, I think zero shared on social media. So we have 1,200 in the shared album between The Good Wife and I, and then zero shared on social media. I'm very proud of that. I think, like, it's bad to share pictures of your kid on social media because, like. Yeah, I, I don't want to, um, you know, they, they can choose to have their own presence online. I'm not going to do that for them. And really, like, if you're doing that, if you're sharing stuff, like the life events of a, a child, a baby, especially who has no, you know, no concept of what that's all about. And, you know, doesn't have the wherewithal to do with themselves. You're basically just engaging in a vanity project. And if you're engaging in, you know, having kids to have a vanity, little vanity project, then you're having kids for the wrong reason. Just FYI. <laughs> right. There are plenty of other vanity projects you can engage in, like hundred percent, like building, right. building a home studio or right. Or, or a, hot rods a, or exactly. Souping up a low rider or something, right? Like you could do, there's so many cooler and more fun and more socially acceptable things to do that aren't corrupting the mind of a young person. Um, <laughs> so yes, please uh, get, get into parenting because you want to be a parent um, and you want to raise a, a new soul in this world or because your parents are pressuring you to do it. Right. Right, because you're supposed to. Right. Because you're supposed to. You should only do anything because you're told to, really. Um, Just like the the DEA uh, over the weekend, the DEA director saying, you know, don't do the rainbow fentanyl. Well, of course the kids are going to do the rainbow fentanyl now that you've told them not to. Oh, Uh, man, I don't even want to get into it. I think we're going to get into it, maybe. I think we have a rainbow. I don't know if we do or we don't. Anyway, what's our first story? What do we got for leading off? Uh, That's a great question. Piranhas. Robot piranhas. Uh, we've got microplastics, and robot piranhas are the answer, apparently. Well, have you heard of a plastics piranha? It's an innovative way to tackle a massive problem. That problem, the amount of plastic polluting the Pacific Ocean and our Bay Area waterways. Now, here is an eye-opening number. About 7 trillion pieces of plastic wash from city streets into the San Francisco Bay each year. That's according to a 2019 estimate from the San Francisco Estuary Institute. And the consequences are serious. Plastic pollution can kill wildlife, pass on toxic chemicals into the ecosystems, and tiny fragments of plastic called microplastics can even end up in our food. So for a problem that big, could a tiny robot 
make that big of a difference. We're talking about a rover with that clever nickname, the Plastics Piranha. Its makers are focusing on local marinas where they think they can get the biggest bang for their buck, cleaning up coastal debris. KPX 5's Mary Lee got a chance today to see the Plastic Piranha in action. We're at Point San Pablo Harbor in Richmond to show you this high-tech solution to a major environmental problem, trash in our oceans. This is the Clean Earth Rover. It's an electric autonomous robot that acts just like a Roomba vacuum to clean our waterways. I love this marina. Um, it's my home and it's not a job, it's a, it's a lifestyle really. Daryl Henline is the harbor master and co-owner of Point San Pablo Harbor. As you can imagine, Daryl feels passionate about keeping his harbor and his planet clean. Marina owners can do their part by trying to keep plastics out of the water column at the source. That's what we're trying to do is just help in that effort. Every year, 11 million tons of plastic and debris enter the world's oceans, according to the United Nations Environment Program. Out of that, reports say 6.6 .6 million tons of debris stay circulating within our coastal waterways and beaches. And this is where Michael Aaron's Clean Earth Rovers sweep in. I remember from a very young age being very passionate about climate change and, and air pollution and things of that nature but you know last year when I was 12 I was, you know pretty much older that I had learned about the ocean plastics issue his robots can operate autonomously or with a joystick skimming the surface of marinas and coastal waterways to collect 100 pounds of trash and debris per trip the recycled mesh collection bags have large enough holes so small marine life won't get trapped inside it's also battery powered so 100% electric using obstacle avoidance software to steer clear of boaters and marine life I mean, we hope to be in as many marinas as possible and make this, you know, as widespread and mainstream as, you know, a Roomba would be vacuuming up your living room. Um, you know, the more devices we have, the more strength and numbers we have to solving this massive issue. This Clean Earth rover will stay in this marina for three months. The plan is to keep one rover here in the Bay Area. They're launching another one in the Hudson River in New York next month. In Richmond, Mary Lee, KPIX5. Mary, thank you. And the Hudson River is going to do a number on that on that machine, dude. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm drastically underwhelmed uh, at the visual and the, the actuality and the reality of the situation for a story that was billed as the plastics piranha. I was expecting something a little more high-tech than uh, you know a clunky Roomba for your you know your estuary, um, but props to the Estuary Institute. Didn't know they existed. Now I do. I'm today. I was today days old. I mean, at least they're not trying to put it in the Gowanus Canal in New York, <laughs> like <laughs> or Almaden Valley Lake for that matter. What was that river that caught on fire? That wasn't in New York. It was the Cuyahoga, the Cuyahoga River yeah. in in Cleveland. Yeah, famous famously immor uh, immortalized in the Randy Newman song. Um, he but yeah, that 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 was drastically underwhelming. It did look like just a really clunky Roomba, and the 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 CEO, I think he just turned thirteen, and he realized that there was a plastics problem. I don't know if he just turned thirteen, but he certainly didn't seem like he was that interested in it, right? I mean, I've seen some True. I've seen some pretty bad keynote addresses, but that guy was like, "Well, there's climate change," and uh, right. I mean, even Zuck, like he gets into what he's talking about, right? Like you can tell he's got you know, he's, he's at least trying. That, yeah, that guy's like, well, I guess, you know, I'll make some money. He sounded like he was trying out for NPR. Yeah, I'll help. Yeah, um, over here is um, a wood vase 
from the late 1800s. Um, <laughs> it's, it's been well, very well kept. As you can tell, there is one slight blemish here. I'm not really sure what happened. So up next, we got winners and losers. And the thing about this section of this show is that there are no winners. And if anybody happens to win, it was probably not who you're rooting for. But I think the first one might be a bit of a feel-good story. <laughs> I, I suppose so. I, think, I guess the winners are the community, right? But uh, uh, yeah, it looks like a... Uh, quite a few deputies in the Alameda County Sheriff's Office have histories of um, bad, not bad, I don't want to say bad psych evals, but not doing so well on their psych evals, which are required to stay on the job. So they have been uh, relinquished of their duties and the department's determining or the office is determining what's going to happen next. Dozens of Alameda County Sheriff's deputies have had their guns and policing powers removed. This comes after years of performing poorly on their psychological evaluations. All of the conduct of these deputies over the last several years must be analyzed, must be reviewed, and frankly, needs to be looked at with fresh eyes. In some cases, some deputies scored poorly on their evaluations during their interview process, but were hired anyway. Hello again, everyone. I'm Julie Hayner. And I'm Mike Meeback. The sheriff has taken those deputies yes, you off are. duty, but not off the payroll for now. It is a story that KTVU crime reporter Henry Lee first broke this morning, and he has more on why the sheriff felt the need to take action now. 47 Alameda County Sheriff's deputies now without law enforcement powers for doing poorly on psychological exams going back to 2016. <laughs> KTVU has learned the deputies received unsatisfactory marks during their background checks and will now be stripped of their guns. The deputies have assignments that include monitoring inmates at Santa Rita Jail in Dublin to patrolling the streets from the Eden Township Station in San Leandro. Essentially, what you have is you have a sheriff's deputy who is a walking liability, and some might say a walking lawsuit as well. Civil rights attorney Dante Pointer says this is unprecedented. We essentially have close to 50 members of law enforcement who were given a pass to carry a badge and a gun, and they were not qualified. KTVU obtained a copy of the letter sent to deputies on Friday. In the letter, Sheriff Greg Ahern says his office believed they could still hire candidates who were deemed not suited for the job. The sheriff says the deputies can be fully reinstated if they pass a second psych exam administered by an independent state commission. The controversy comes less than three weeks after Sheriff's Deputy Devin Williams Jr. was charged with murder for allegedly shooting a couple in Dublin. Authorities say Williams had been in a romantic relationship with the wife, who was a nurse at a county psychiatric hospital. Four sources tell KTVU Williams failed his psych exam. The idea that there were this many people who um, did not have their results properly handled is very concerning. Kara Jansen Especially is an attorney who has sued the sheriff's office over jail conditions. She says she's also concerned about the conduct of patrol deputies who often fill overtime shifts at Santa Rita. The way folks conduct themselves on patrol, it's very different than the environment in which you need to conduct yourself inside of a jail. So a lot of those folks are rotating through the jail. Although the affected deputies had their guns and peace officer powers removed, the sheriff says they will still get their pay and benefits. The president of the deputies union tells me he wants to support them and that this is a horrible and embarrassing situation. Henry Lick, KTVU, Fox 2 News. Yo, even the head of the union was like, this is a horrible and embarrassing situation. That's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. When it gets to that level, then you're, you're really dealing with a problem um, that everyone wants to get rid of. So, uh, yeah, not not good. Um, again, you, you want to say that, you know, it, perhaps there are some, some of these folks have real psychiatric issues and you feel for them. But, um, yeah, they have these evaluations in place for a reason. And it's, I, I mean, it's good that they retest honestly it's good that the you know these are all uh 
sheriff's deputies that were hired. They were on the payroll. They were out there in the community policing, right? And sheriffing. And, uh, you know, th- it's good that they go back and they retest them because they probably had an uh, eval on the way in uh, during their onboarding, right? And they must have passed that because they're on the street. Um, they have a gun. So uh, there must have been something that, that clicked between then and now. Um, and yeah, retest, you know, take, let them take another test just in case, you know, you don't want, never want to get a false positive, but, um, it's striking 47. I can't imagine. I mean, the department's, you know, pretty deep, decent size. I'm sure for a County Sheriff's Department office, but it's probably in the hundreds, if not the, you know, the low thousands. Uh, and yet, you know, so 47 is a pretty significant number to be failing or whatever. Yeah, around thousand, or, that's 5%. So mm-hmm. we're not passing whatever, whatever, you know, level or, or threshold you've set for fit for duty right um not so, to mention that they may need help i wonder what the thought process is like when they're like well <clears throat> on one hand this person you know they're they didn't get the results they needed for, on their mm-hmm. psych eval to become a uh a sheriff's officer but on the other hand they just really looked like they could crack some skulls i mean is right. that I mean, you know, we, we need to take as many as we can get, right? We're everyone's short staffed. Everyone's uh, complaining about being uh, understaffed and not being able to handle their shit. Um, Oakland is like apparently exploding right now with murder, death, kill. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that they're taking San Jose, especially has taken whoever they can get. Honestly, their, their background checks, as we've already seen, have, are not all that substantial, right? Uh, there's all sorts of issues with SJPD. So it's not surprising this is happening everywhere in LA LA sheriff's office is a freaking mess from what I understand. It's, it's, they're like uh, basically gangs operating actively within the sheriff's office in LA. Uh, some would suggest that the LA County sheriff's office is it j- itself a criminal it's gang. Its own gang. Yes. I think, I think many would suggest that. In fact, um, many people I follow on Twitter uh, at T H E underscore councilman T H E underscore council man, please give me a follow. I could use more than 25 followers. So up next uh-huh. to winners and losers, this is out of San Jose, and it looks like there yes. was a domestic violence call, and uh, what they're calling this a gun factory in the um, in the the news or the, the the headline here. So I'm curious to see what is going on here because I don't be, usually trust the headlines. Yeah, to be fair, it's the police like PIO or public information person that that uh, offers that quip. But yeah, let's let's watch the. Well, that's even worse. Yeah. When San Jose police officers responded to a domestic violence call in this small, quiet neighborhood near Tully and 101, their investigation uncovered a much bigger criminal operation was happening at the home. This is a look at what San Jose police officers found at a home on Malat Drive in San Jose. A cache of guns, some fully assembled, others in the process of being put together. This is essentially a gun factory uh, in this residence. SJPD Sergeant Christian Camarillo says officers were originally there for a domestic violence call, but on scene they discovered the gun manufacturing operation. We're estimating that between the manufactured completed firearms and the ones that were in the process, over 100 firearms uh, were in this residence. Police took 41-year-old Gary Redecker into custody as a result of this incident. I'm sure there's many more charges coming for this suspect besides the, the fact that, you know, he's, again, a violent, armed domestic abuser. Cameron Ladd was surprised to see the police in his neighborhood earlier in the week and by what they uncovered. This was just like all new territory to have something this dramatic occur on the street. Cameron 
Rio says the suspect has an engineering background and ran an intricate operation. He was doing very precise measurements, uh, you know, mechanical engineering, etc. He was actually milling firearm parts, including barrels, which is not something that we have seen. Camarillo says people can build certain kinds of guns as long as they put serial numbers on them and register them. Some of the guns there did have serial numbers. However, based on the statements that we received and some of the evidence that was recovered, yeah, we fully believe that he was engaged in selling firearms. He is not a licensed firearm dealer. Uh, he was not doing background checks. We don't know how many prohibited persons ended up with firearms from uh, this suspect. The biggest problem is with these privately made firearms and whoever the suspect was selling firearms to is they are ending up in prohibited person's hands. According to SJPD, the suspect was arrested a few years ago for negligently shooting a gun in a backyard at a different home in San Jose. However, that incident did not lead to a felony conviction. In San Jose, Max Darrow, KPIX 5. Well, that's crazy. Yeah, a little bit, right? Uh, we've seen this before on Down Ballot and other, other in, on the Sunday show uh, where the, the call, the innocuous call, well, I mean, domestic violence is never innocuous. It is a major freaking issue in and of itself. Um, but the call for one thing leads to the, uh, an uncovering of something else, right? Uh, I think that's how they uncovered the the plot to bomb the Democratic headquarters that originated in Napa, right? They were there for something else and then found, you know, his cache of whatever bombs and what and pipe bombs, his his uh, treasure trove uh, or collectors, his his, <laughs> collectors his trove, his what, what his, hobby. They, the, the, his hobbyist uh, supplies, right? <laughs> Um, so maybe that could that could be the case here. You know, who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I would say that the moral of this story is don't be doing domestic violence in the same place where you're storing and building and caching a whole shit ton of fucking illegal firearms, bro. So I thought for sure this was going to be about a guy with a 3D printer. Like when I saw the uh, the, the the headline, I thought it was yeah. going to be about a guy with a 3D printer who had print, totally. printed like a, a few parts for a couple firearms. But nope. Nope, the dude had fucking, the dude was actually cutting, like, steel and aluminum and shit. He was milling. He was milling. I mean, that's like, he was smithing. I think that's adjacent to smithing. So, uh, that's, some, that's some serious shit to be doing. You need a special use permit to do that in the city of San Jose. Um, so, better watch out, man. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. The, the neighbor seemed dumbfounded, the other, his neighbor, but they always pick, like, a dumbfounded neighbor, right? It's always. Neighbor with the flip-flops? Who yeah, obviously yeah. doesn't go out very much. Yeah, they're like they they just go around and knock on doors and they find the first they find the first fifty three year old guy in sure. flip flops and they're like let's let's walk and talk. Sure. I heard a helicopter last night. I, I didn't go out to investigate what happened. I, I heard a helicopter, so something must have happened. Anyway, let's talk about it. And then they have the action shot of neighbor with flip flops walking down the street with a reporter. Right? Yeah, it's the old walk and talk, my friend. Walk and talk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're very in depth. The reporter is live. You know, in it really engaging in the story. Actually, embedded in the community now. Um. Anyway, uh, well, we can move right along to the next clip if uh, if you're so ready, sir. Uh huh. But uh, so you know, people behaving badly. Department. Um, looks like there was a brand new music festival uh, in Portola that uh, drew some, you know, the ire of local residents and people across the bay, and you know, got probably got some people trampled in the process. No deaths, as far as we know. Thank God. So otherwise, I wouldn't put this on the docket. But this is this is good stuff. So, 
Let's let's run with it. I'm fine with music, but it just got to be really loud and just obnoxious. Noise traveling across <laughs> the bay and chaotic scenes of people jumping barricades as problems surface at a music festival on Pier 80 in San Francisco. Good evening, everyone. I'm Mike Meback. And I'm Julie Hayner. The inaugural Portola Music Festival is facing criticism tonight. KTVU's Zach Sauce live in Alameda, where a lot of residents are having problems with the event organizer. Zach? Well, they say that music last night was so loud that some here thought that there was simply an unruly neighbor having a house party, that homes were vibrating, and I don't know if you can hear it right now, but it's happening all over again. It was just a constant boom, 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 you know, steady beat, and it didn't stop. Andrea it's called house music. <laughs> ma'am, ma'am, that's called... <laughs> ma'am, in your day, that was called disco. ...home in Alameda all Saturday evening. The source... Electronic fans at this weekend's inaugural Portola Music Festival in San Francisco posting to social media, music from the two-day event traveling all the way across the bay from Pier 80. You could totally feel the vibration. It was like, I remember when I was a kid, nice. I went to an ACDC concert, and I remember the speaker being right here and that loud noise, and it was like I was right there. But I'm miles away, uh, 5.7 miles as a crow flies from there, from Pier 80 to our house. So loud that neighbor Sarah Bumpus assumed she simply had an extremely rude neighbor on her hands. Yeah, that's shocking. <laughs> that's shocking. It was very loud. If if that really was from San Francisco, then something is definitely way too loud. KTVU fielding a number of phone calls from angry residents that night, and apparently so did the city of Alameda, posting about the festival on social media, saying in part, quote, we could hear the loud music bass, and warning neighbors that it might be back again on Sunday evening. The noise not the only criticism being directed at festival organizers. Scenes of an unruly crowd and apparent failure by on-site teams to manage it also being posted to social media and reported by TMZ. One festival goer writing, quote, entrances and exits to the warehouse stage were super dangerous and poorly planned. What happened? Meantime, back in Alameda, neighbors like Bob Kenyon, who's lived here for 30 years, just hoping for a more peaceful Sunday night. I've never really felt that before. I could feel the vibration personally. Get down coming from with your bad a, self. A, the deep bass from a car. Their message to festival <laughs> organizers perhaps pondering a Portola 2023. Be a little more conscious of the fact that sound travels on water and we're right across the bay from there. And we did reach out to San Francisco police and festival organizers about those complaints. So far, we've yet to hear back. Mike? Zach Sauce, live tonight in Alameda. Zach, thank you. San Francisco's all fuck y'all. Seriously, sound travels faster on water or better on water or just it travels just on nothing, water? Well, there's no city in between. There's nothing in the right. way. Right. So the same applies to like a grass field of some sort. Um, <clears throat> If the grass is short, sure. Sure. Right. Not like that wavy, like Bermuda fescue shit. What if it was like, if it was like a cornfield, the corn would absorb some of the sound. What's the furthest away you've ever drawn a noise complaint? For your for your tune for your spinning for spinning or turntabling or what, DJing whatever you want to you know it, if it I mean it would have to have been at an event that I played that I didn't know you know what I'm saying sure. where the yeah, yeah. Like, like a where, bike party where the promoters or whatever were dealing with the problem because <clears throat> I don't know I just don't like I just don't 
like if I'm just spinning for a few people here out here or just for the, the community or whatever, like late at night, yeah. I don't, you're not cranking it up. I don't, I mean, turn it up a little bit. Cause it's, you know, not, not to Portola festival level. No, no. Just to like, it's a little, it's a little bit loud in this garage, <laughs> but, um, I, yeah, I have to imagine that I have to imagine that I've been, you know, that I've drawn noise complaints or, Oh, I know the one I know about. It was at a uh, Silicon Valley pride in 2016 or 2017. Some Pre-pandemic. guy in his, some, some guy in his office was like trying to call the police on Silicon Valley pride. Oh, nice. When I, while I was playing. Classy. I know. Cause one of the, the Queens came up and said, Hey, you got a noise complaint. And she said, I think it's somewhere up there. And she pointed at one of the tall office buildings on a weekend and from an office. Yeah. It was funny. So- I, I, I have no reason to disbelieve her. No, I'm sure the police were really enthused about a noise complaint from an office on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, but um, that's the, and assuming that's true, that's the only one I really know of. I've never had like problems with neighbors or whatever. Uh, maybe a couple times throwing a party, but it wasn't usually the music. It was usually the people. People. Yeah. People. People always... like people like refusing to not r- refusing to like stop yelling outside is the big one. Sure. Like if you're gonna yell, do it inside. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've we've had friends who've had you know. And we've both you know, been around that scene where we've had shows in people's backyards in like North San Jose, right? Or North downtown. And, you know, as long as you're chill with your neighbors, they don't care so much. It's like, you know, it's just loud music and you're done by whatever hour. And uh, it's, but it's more like people, if you have a bunch of drunk assholes at the party and they go around peeing on people's lawns, right? Uh, that's, you can't necessarily control that. Um, and I suppose, but, uh, but it's not your fault necessarily, but that's the stuff that, you know, rankles feathers or whatever. Well, and music people. is music. Even if you don't necessarily like the kind of music, like if there's a band in your, in your neighbor's backyard, you could go kick back on your, in your own backyard and have a brew and listen to the band. Well, Whereas if it's a bunch them. of drunk people yelling, do you want to go out and listen to what the drunk people are yelling about? Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah you invite the neighbors, right? Like right. Uh, they're having a big party, house party, have a house party, invite the neighbors, be, be magnanimous. Uh, so well, what's up with ice skating? Dude. It's tragedy of tragedies. There are no winners here at all. Um, so if anyone's familiar with downtown San Jose, during the winter times, uh, the Circle of Palms next to the, the San Jose Museum of Art gets uh, converted into a little uh, ice rink, miniature ice rink, um, with a little uh, skating component for the families to enjoy during the holidays. Well, apparently this year it's not happening, and it's going to piss people off, I'm sure, especially Becky with the good ice skates. And new at six, forget lacing up your skates this winter in San Jose. A big change coming from the longtime South Bay holiday tradition. The Christy Yamaguchi Downtown Ice Rink, which is a fixture near San Jose's Christmas in the Park, won't be part of the festivities this year. NBC Bears Robert Honda is in downtown San Jose to explain what happened. Well, the holiday ice rink was always billed as a night under the palms, but this year it will look much different, maybe a little emptier, but hopefully not for too long. San Jose's Downtown Association is planning a holiday activity under the palms this holiday season, but it won't be what's filled the space for more than a decade. The traditional holiday ice rink, a fundraiser for Christy Yamaguchi's Children Literacy Foundation since 2009, will not be here this season. That's sad because it's been a fixture of San Jose for the longest time with uh, Christmas in the park. The kids flock to it a lot. The rink operator hired by San Jose last year decided not to return 
San Jose City officials say the group cited a lack of customers. COVID concerns, which closed the rink and Christmas in the Park in 2020, lingered last year. In fact, Christmas in the Park became a mobile event and the Fairmont Hotel next door closed down permanently, likely leading more people to stay home. Well, because we are still in the midst of recovering from the pandemic. Now, even though Christmas in the Park is returning and the Fairmont has been replaced by the Hilton, city officials say there wasn't enough time to have another ice rink set up. The Christy Yamaguchi Always Dream Foundation remains a partner with another holiday ice rink in San Ramon and will continue this year with a grand opening November 11th. For now, San Jose organizers are calling this year's ice rink absence a hiatus with hopes of bringing it back next year. They should put it up again because people are starting to come back, go out more. Again, city officials still have hopes of staging some fun activities here at the Circle of Palms this year to alleviate at least some of the disappointment. In San Jose, Robert Honda, NBC Bay Area News. I don't know. What, what do you think of fair activities downtown instead of, a, instead of the ice rink? Oh, I don't care. I'm not going to Christmas bring? in the park. But the hot chocolate, producer Dave, the hot chocolate. It's so delicious. Um... <clears throat> yeah, I'm not going. I don't know. Um, ice skating is fun. I mean, honestly, I've gone a few times and it was fun falling down. I mean, like, sure. <clears throat> if I mean, if the if the people that were coming out to do it, like it's supposed to be for charity, right? So if the people that were coming out yes. to do it didn't have enough customers, then the charity probably wasn't making any money either. Because, you know, the thing has to make money for the charity to make money. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's been the struggle has been real downtown as far as bringing people back. It was a struggle before the pandemic, right? And this just doesn't make it easier. So, uh, well, um, st- I still I encourage everyone to get out and do shit during the holidays because if you don't get out and do shit, there's going to be no demand for the shit, and then it's, the shit's going to go away. And then you're going to be like, "What happened to Christmas in the park? I used to go when I was a kid." And it's like, "Well, you used to go when you were a kid." <laughs> that's and what that's, happened to it, right? That's what happened to it. So. uh Anyway, uh, get out and do that shit. Now, um, in a similar vein, um, you got to get out and enjoy the San Francisco uh, foodie scene on the street because it looks like the parklets are going to be going away pretty soon or uh, unless, you know, restaurants want to comply with more city regulations. But let's find out about that. Uh, Let's move on to this warm Friday night. The Bay Area's outdoor dining scene will be buzzing. A lot of people taking advantage of all of the parklets, as you can see there, set up since the pandemic. But San Francisco restaurants are facing some tough choices about whether to keep them. And that's because they'll soon have to comply with new rules for parklets. Restaurants have until November 1st to apply for the city's new shared spaces program. It will officially take effect in April. And our Dahl Lynn spoke to restaurant owners about the changes that they'll have to make and some say it's just not worth the cost. There's a lot of calculating, not just common sense, but if it makes dollars and cents to keep a parklet. This restaurant in front of me is planning to get rid of its parklet, but across the street, this bar plans to keep its parklet, calling this a lifeline to their business. We'd like to keep it, we just have to make sure it makes financial sense. General Manager Amy morris Gibbs says this parklet helped to keep her bar alive for the last year. We're definitely a neighborhood bar. Latin American Club in the Mission District reopened last summer after closing for one year and three months. We were in the dark and didn't know what was going to happen. Not much traffic early in the day, but this parklet gets plenty of use on weekends and nights. It's given us uh, more seating. It's helped our volume 
on our sales for sure. Amy plans to file an application with the city to keep it. Right now, the parklet takes up two parking spaces. They may chop it down in half. I certainly feel that parklets bring a lot of color and vibrancy to every district of, of the mission. They invite a lot more foot traffic. Application that guy's probably the coolest co-worker you've ever had. Look at how chill <laughs> that guy was. That guy is the coolest co-worker you're ever going to have. He's the Japanese bartender at the Latin American club. Hey, man, I mean, that, I mean, that guy, I, none of that matters. That guy just seemed cool as fuck. That's why he's chill. That's exactly why he's chill. It's like, what, what, how, how, how chill can you have to be, right? November 1st, San Francisco Shared Spaces Program charges $3,000 for taking up the first parking spot and $1,500 for each additional spot. There's also a $2,000 license fee a year. The city reports right now there are 1,162 parklets. So far, 250 bars and restaurants have applied to either keep their parklet or build a new one. In the winter time, uh, the people doesn't want to sit inside, uh, outside sitting because it's too cold. Aditi Indian Cuisine is about to dismantle its parklet. Manager Krishnan Alagovan says the city fees are expensive and it's stressful to constantly clean and paint over graffiti. Nighttime, the homeless people, they're coming and they are throwing the trash and uh, they're breaking the lights. Many restaurants tell me they're looking at the financial and stress calculator to make sure it's worth the investment. We'll probably do it for the first year and then check in after that. The city says businesses that make less than two million dollars a year can apply for a discount on those parklet fees. In San Francisco, I'm Dolan, KPIX5. If you're grossing less than two million dollars a year, how the fuck do you even have a restaurant of any kind in San Francisco? Think about not like don't even not even the rent on the fucking space or the lease. Just think about this the, like what it costs to buy everything. Like yeah. so yeah. That cut off if you're is, successful. Two million dollars seems like a lot of money, but when you think about how much it costs to run a restaurant anywhere, and then you put that in San Francisco, I don't think yeah. anybody's going to get the discount. Yeah, I mean, very few. I mean, it's it, it will certainly impact the neediest of needy, but yeah, it, we're talking like mom and pop operations that are serving up a few dozen lunches out the back of their house or a food truck or something. Right, uh, but, but if, not, you're, if you're doing like if you're doing like a hundred, even just a hundred, uh, hundred cu individual customers for dinner every night. You're go, you're blowing through that two million dollars, and you you have more to than be likely. more than likely. I don't know uh, basics of restaurant economics other than it's really tough. Um, but yeah, that that would that would make sense, especially with prices being what they are right now. Right, it's just, uh, everything's out of hand: labor and uh, food and uh, resources. You, you and think about it. Supplies. You say, you say, you say, you do a hundred tables, right? And the average table mm -hmm. is a hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. Well, that's yeah. ten grand. And that's, you don't have to have a hundred tables to do a hundred tables in an, in an afternoon and evening, right? You, sure. You're, they're, they're rotating. You're rotating. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so, no, it, it's, you're burned out pretty quick. So you, more than likely, you're not talking about, you know, a, a really large contingent. You're correct. Yeah, um, yeah. You're not, you're talking about, you're talking about places with like less than maybe 10 or 12 fucking 10 or 12 tables. And then the other thing, the thing about that though, is once you get into those places with like only a few tables, some of those places are very expensive. Because they're mm -hmm. they're provide they're you know they're providing a particular specific niche kind of food, yeah. And the, so the cost that ends up being I think negligible the cost that the restaurant has to pay to the city right for each you know parking spot taken up like three k plus one you know fifteen hundred for each additional spot so you take up two spots you're paying four four forty five hundred a month I guess they said plus a two thousand dollar licensing fee per year. I think that's well worth it given the you know. The revenue you're probably getting from those seats or those spots, right? 
Um, if you imagine that's even just like four tables, four extra tables, like you know, from your math alone, right? You're you're making your money back overnight. If you're if you're a moderately well, successful restaurant, and you why would you do this shit if you weren't well, moderately you're, successful? No, I mean, you're grossing maybe the amount that the parklet costed a night, but you're not making correct, that money. Correct. Yeah. 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 But you know, um, exactly. So up next, apparently, there is a San Francisco teacher who is like, uh, fuck you, pay me. And this is in the get your shit together section because apparently somebody needs to get their shit together and pay this teacher. Definitely. It's a, it's a twofer and get your shit together this week because it it's all about the, the working people. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, let's find out more about what SF Unified is not doing after the, the recall. Classes started on August 17th at San Francisco Unified, and since then, at least one teacher who didn't want to be identified says he has yet to get paid. I did have a little savings account that is completely dry now. Um, I ran through everything that I had saved um, working at my pre from my previous jobs. He is concerned about backlash, so he didn't want to go on camera or say which school he works at. But he says he's not the only teacher waiting for their first check. And with each day, the bills are piling up, including the money he spent to buy school supplies for his classroom, like markers and binder paper. Now, finances are getting tight enough that he's opened a GoFundMe account to help cover the cost of those supplies and to keep a roof over his head. I was looking at my bank account and I realized that if I was not paid by the end of this month, like I could not, I straight up just could not meet my financial obligations. Um, I couldn't pay housing costs, I couldn't pay for food. Payroll issues are nothing new for San Francisco Unified. Back in March, teachers staged a sit-in after waiting two months to get paid. Back then, the district blamed the new payroll system and it's doing that again today. In a statement, SF Unified said it is committed to and has been actively addressing issues related to payroll, including technical and process issues, resolving individual employee cases, and putting in place systems to provide greater clarity and information to our employees. The district didn't say how many teachers are missing checks, but it says it's allocating additional resources to respond to payroll issues. I just felt really powerless. I felt like there's nowhere, nowhere else I could turn. Um, and it has been really uh, stressful as well. SF Unified says it wants to get checks to teachers as soon as possible, but it didn't give a date. Meanwhile, the teacher we spoke to says he's crossing his fingers and hoping he can find a way to keep the lights on till the check comes. Damien Trujillo, NBC Bay Area News. He only asked for 500 bucks. He must not live in San Francisco. Did you see he made 840 out of 500 though? That's not bad. I mean, like that's, that's shitty. It's like real shitty. The other thing that's going on here is there's all these like tech companies in San Francisco. One of them's got to be like a payroll processing company that could just like help San Francisco get their shit together. I, I think so. I think that's sort of what we're putting out the clarion call for here or the bat putting up the bat signal for if there is someone out there, right? Like a, uh, Benioff, who can uh, you know come up with a solution for for these folks? Please offer it to them, help them out, jump in, be the savior. As if unified, get your shit together anyway. Good lord, why why did I vote for the recall? Why did all the I didn't? But why why did all these people vote for the recall to get to, to get your shit together and focus? And you're just you can't even pay your teachers. My goodness, right? It sounds like the problems, the real problems that the San Francisco Unified School District has are in like administration. Not in Always. like, not in like the very top leadership, the top leaders. Sure. They hired the administrators and stuff, but that's the, the administrators are all like, it's, it's, you can't just go in and clean house either. 
because then no, you've the, fired everybody who knows how to even knows how to poorly use the systems that are in place. Well, that's the shame, the real shame of this you know, school district leadership is that the administration is usually what's really holding things up and not, not corrupt or if not corrupt, just woefully uh, negligent. And the board, like a board of trustees as school district has very little power. They can hire and fire the superintendent, right? Um, but they're also reliant on the superintendent to provide them with information that they use to determine whether or not the superintendent should be hired or fired or fired. Right. And then the superintendent hires and fires and promotes and demotes everyone within the system as they so choose similar to a city manager in like a San Jose form of government where the city council hires and fires the city manager, but the city manager hires and fires everyone else. So they can really set up an administration in their own image and just make sure that they're you know following the whatever directives come down from on high. But boards of trustees at school districts don't really have a whole lot of vision because usually they're, you know, the, the first time in elected office um, they're you know not all that versed in what their job actually is, so they don't even know the right questions to ask or where to probe or what to do, and so administration can kind of walk all over them because they're going to be gone in a few years anyway because they'll term out or they get recalled, right? Um, so it, yeah, it's it's it, that's the real big sh- uh, uh, sham of the whole thing is that we focus and even the the recall proponents focus on the board and the board has very little power and really very very rarely exercises their power anyway it's really the administration that's the problem and you can't recall the administration you can't you know uh you can't fire them uh, the people have no recourse at all over right it's them. like the it's like the non-conspiracy theory version of what people call a deep state it's correct it's, it's right there in front of you yeah it's it's the administrators it's the people that sign the checks it's the people that initiate the checks that manage the systems enter the data mm-hmm. like those people mm-hmm. they're not going anywhere and that that system that group of people there's a certain inertia to it and it's not always yep. conscious but like that's and usually that's actually good because then you can't go in with a couple like wackadoodles at the school board and screw right. everything up right but in, in in cases like this where they keep having the same problem in this case with payroll the problem is with probably the upper middle part of the administration where you know people yeah. are probably taking in these big salaries and maybe not you know maybe they're long enough on in their career that they don't care because they're about to retire there's any number of reasons they could be incompetent they could have been that's, incompetent from day one yeah. and just failed up there's that's, like, that there's thing. any number of reasons that's exactly. I mean, that's generally what it is: is the failing up portion. It's it's that the these districts and and these these jobs can be very insular, and so you don't see a lot of promotion from outside, right? You don't see a lot of outside hiring. You see a lot of promotion from within. So a role opens up, you just promote whoever's next in line within the system, and it doesn't so much matter if they have the qualifications for the job. It's just who they know and who they're friends with, right? And if they're if they're well regarded they get thrust into a role and they expect, expected to learn the role. There's probably people in the HR department who have no idea what, what they're doing, um, but they've been thrust into a role and they've been given like a director or manager, you know, position. Um, and now they've got to figure out what they're doing, <laughs> what they're doing. Um, but the, good Lord, they're getting a pension. So they're excited about it. And the, you know, they have a job at the end of the day. Well, and um, just like the, the, the people, you know, the people I would think we would want to make sure are getting paid in this case are the teachers because the teachers are doing the most with the least, Right. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what an, what a San Francisco Unified School District teacher uh, makes, but I'd be willing to bet somebody in that HR office that's like, you know, four or five rungs up that ladder makes more than the average teacher does. 
Possible. It's very possible. Uh, and especially when you're getting into the management level and director level, for sure. Um, but no, you're right. And you're also right that, that more likely none of these teachers actually can afford to live in San Francisco. Um, much like many teachers in San Jose can afford to live here either. Um, some of them are bunking up in apartments, uh, four to an apartment in some cases, teachers. Well, if there's four um, bedrooms, that's a reasonable thing, I suppose. But I, so I, yeah. I, I mean, the biggest apartment I've ever had was three and it was a fucking huge apartment, actually. Yeah, and they're they're sharing they're sharing rooms. They're doing whatever they can because they love teaching and they love the job. They love the work. They love the kids. So, um, uh, it it's a shame uh, that we can't figure out a way to to solve that for them. This this crisis for them and uh and for other folks in that missing middle. Well, uh, the folks who and not for nothing, it doesn't matter what their salary is supposed to be if they're not getting it at all anyway, right? Like, I well, it's I'll, not it, funny. It's, you... it's like ironic, like not ha ha funny, but like kind of like. Like here we are already past like the past the point here like you yeah. and i just talked right past the point is that this this guy and other colleagues of his aren't even getting their paycheck the lowest rung on the totem pole uh no totem pole the lowest rung uh on the ladder in san jose unified makes uh first you know first year teacher i believe makes 55k a year that's nowhere near enough to afford you know, even basic rent and and you rent a room, living, but you like then you're renting a room with a co- you're sharing <laughs> with a cockroach or two, <laughs> right? Well, you're you know a couple teachers could get together maybe and get a three bedroom house and rent it or whatever. Yeah. And if somebody yeah. finds out their teachers, maybe they'll give them a hookup on the rent. But like it's this is all like folks, makes, this is all folksy shit that doesn't doesn't really account yes. for the fact that most of the rental properties are owned by these giant companies that don't give two shits what you do for a living. Correct. And it's not a solution either, right? It's definitely not a solution that, that, that if you have to go through all that trouble just to survive, um, then how good, you know, how much energy you're going to have left for teaching and nurturing our children, right? Uh, no knock to you. You could be the best teacher in the world, but if you're tired and sleeping on a couch and aggravated and, you know, haven't showered in a few days, like it's rough, man. Um, I, it's rough enough. And then you have to walk into a room with 30 kids. You know, so it's, just so, it, people. it's just so weird. Cause when I was a kid, and I, you know, I grew up in Fremont. It's you know not unlike, especially not unlike the part of San Jose I live in now. Mm-hmm. I knew a teacher who was a single woman. She was like in her late twenties, and she came into class. And I just remember it. She was like so excited. She's like, I just bought a condo. Yeah. And we asked her how much right. it was, and then she told us, and we were like, you know, because we were kids, right? We thought it was like the most goddamn money. I forget how much, you know, it was like $100,000 or something, right? And we just thought it was the most goddamn money in the world. The Miss Thede must be rich. And it was just like, but now, like, imagine a single a single teacher in her late 20s buying a condo in San Jose or Fremont, for that matter. Not happening. Nuh-uh. Just not happening. Like, I can definitively say that it's not happening. On, um, the, on the list of things that are not happening, it's one of the things that the most didn't happen. Correct. Correct. They, they would have to also like have won the lot, like also have had to won like have won like a half a mil in the lottery or something like in a, like some kind of supplementary in income, wind, right? Windfall, as they say, windfall profits, right? Some kind uh, of windfall or whatever, and it's it's messed yes. up. I don't, you yes, know, I don't, <clears throat> I don't, I don't know what the answer. I mean, I know what the answer is: just pay everybody better to pay, maybe pay the administrators better, get be- get better administrators, maybe have fewer administrators to have more competent people. Aha, uh-huh. aha, uh-huh. maybe. Like have you ever been? I, you ever been at? A, you ever been at a store? I'm talking about the old Fry's Electronics, where you're like, there's just a lot of people here, none of whom can help me with anything. Like I have a feeling that's what's going on in the administration for San Francisco a lot, yeah, Unified. 
Fries was like watching the the construction site where like the the foreman and like eight people are standing around and one or two guys are digging the hole, right? Um, or down in the hole, and they're just all going, "Yeah, good job, looking good, bro." Fries was like that. It was like there's so many bros just hanging around doing nothing, talking to each other, and then you tried to like talk to them about something, and they obviously knew nothing about whatever product was in that section that they were posted in. They're just like, "Yo, let me look that up for you." And then, then what you do is you just wait until somebody nerdier than you walks down the, the aisle you're in and you're yeah. like, hey, what router would you buy hey, if man. you had a hundred bucks? Right, right. And that was, that was fries. God but I mean, I can imagine like, I can imagine like San Francisco Unified being something like that too, where there's just a ton of people there in, in the administrative buildings or whatever. And none of them are really empowered to, or uh, even interested in helping you with your problem. This is why I no longer work in a large school district. It's one of the reasons um, is, I was happy to continue, but I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't navigate the bureaucracy. They need to go with they need to go with the Best Buy model. Honestly, Best Buy had far fewer employees per square foot, but the people there knew knew about the products and were incentivized to know about the products. So they need to Genius go with that Best bar. Buy. Need to go with that Best Buy. Not the not the Apple model. Oh God, no! Genius. No, that's like a, that's like a weird private school that you don't actually want to send your kids to. It would be the Genius Bar School. It actually there actually is a school too. I I have a friend who went through it. Um, it's it's pretty scary. He's okay. He's he survived. So we got more um, labor news this week. It looks like there's yeah. uh, two strikes, not just one, actually, because there were also, it looks like there were flight attendants striking at SFO as well. Yeah, so the flight, uh, so uh, SFO food workers um, are on a strike, and uh, the f- uh, United, I believe, flight attendants decided that, fuck it, they're going to strike too in solidarity, because they're fucking pissed. So uh, everyone at the airport is pissed, and uh, people on planes may not be able to get like their free rubber chicken food or pretzels. Fantastic. But let's learn more. We're following a major new development in a labor dispute involving restaurant workers at SFO. Yeah, more than 1,000 of them walking off the job today. KTV's James Torres joins us live from Terminal 2 with the issues behind this strike. James. Andre Garcia, good morning. Yeah, more than a thousand workers here spread out. James has very intense eyebrows. In front of Terminal 2 this morning near the Alaska Airlines entrance, but protests are happening at nearly every terminal this morning. Nearly a thousand people. They've all been here since about 2 a.m. today, and this is affecting the employees of restaurants inside the airport. Their message to you this morning, if you plan to come and eat here before your flight, they say you'll need to bring your own meal. People out here striking this morning say they haven't had a working contract since 2019. They haven't had a raise since before then. The union representing these workers say they have made no uh, progress with negotiations and they are asking essentially for better pay. Most people here are earning minimum wage at about $17 an hour. And in order to make ends meet, several employees are getting second or even third jobs. It's an open-ended strike. um, We're showing employers that you know, we're frustrated with the progress in negotiations. There's been very little progress. We've been at the table for nine months um, trying to bargain for a new contract. Protest is affecting nearly every restaurant in the airport. Those on strike include cashiers, bartenders, cooks, servers, dishwashers, pretty much every position that you can think of that would help run a restaurant or a bar. Let's take you back live out here outside of SFO. Again, this is outside of Terminal 2. You see about a couple dozen Workers, restaurant workers, bartender workers holding these signs that say on strike at SFO restaurants. Again, they've been here since early this morning. An open-ended strike, so no end in sight. They won't put this to end 
until they get better progress in their negotiations. We did hear from the airport offering a statement this morning, essentially warning those airline travelers, saying service at airport food courts and cafeterias will be limited. Again, if you wanted to eat, they're telling you to bring your own meal. Reporting live this morning from SFO, I'm James Torres, KTVU, Fox 2 News. Yeah, and so I was, uh, I'd seen a story too that was, it's, it's, uh, you said it's the United flight attendants also decided to strike and partially in solidarity, but also because they pissed too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that uh, everyone in the airline industry is completely overworked right now um, and underpaid um, because demand is coming back, but uh, airlines are absolutely not equipped to handle it and they've been struggling to recruit employees and flight attendants and pilots. Um, so everyone's working overtime um, and they're all really stressed out. So I feel for them and uh, folly to them. Uh, I would not cross a picket line, so I won't be flying out of SFO anytime soon. Not that I was, you know, jet setting and flying out of fucking airports all the time. Anyway, I probably make w- one flight a year. I'm, I, I'm doing okay. Uh, but yeah, if you can avoid SFO, do that right now. Fly out of Oakland or at, uh, SJC. Uh, and uh, yeah. So there was this famous incident. I don't know if you know, if you remember the pilot Sully, where he went in front of Congress and they were going to try to give him this award. And then he just dressed them down about how some pilots make like $22,000 a year and are like, right. Don't have, and they're like sleeping in their car at the, in the airport parking lot between their shifts because they can't afford an apartment. And that you expect these people to take you somewhere safely. And most of these people, some of these people haven't had a good meal. I just remember that. It was like one of the things I was like, and I didn't know I was like, pilots make how much? They're like, well, you know, you don't live in one place, so why would you need a house, you know? <laughs> and I just think that, like, people don't really think about, like, when you think about the the, the people at the uh, airport going on strike, you would never think of the, 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 the food workers there. But now you're like, oh, wait a minute. You know, when I go to the airport, there are tons of things that I can eat. Yeah, and good things, too. Uh, sometimes, and- sometimes, yeah. Depends on the airport. San Jose's got a few local restaurants that have some nice spots up in there. Um, so, um yeah, so p- please uh, try not to cross any picket lines and support your local food food service workers. Not just at the airport, but in general, um, they are organizing very quickly. Uh, it seems like Starbucks employees and fast food employees, McDonald's employees are organizing up and down California. So please support them and help them get to a living wage um, because they work freaking just as hard as anyone else, if not more. And everyone deserves to have one job, uh, be able to support themselves. Some might say that you should be able to uh, have a roof over your head and some food to even if you don't feel like working. Some might even say that. Andrew Yang might say that. Oh no, that's not what he says. Oh come on, Andrew Yang know? says. Andrew Yang says, uh, "If you, you take my stipend, I will actually take away your disability payment." Ew, I don't like Andrew Yang anymore. I'm voting for someone else for president. <laughs> oh, not for not for nothing. I've been going after those forward people on Twitter. Oh. God, I got this one guy hell mad at me today, but that's a whole other story. Check out my Twitter. Uh, my Twitter will be in the show notes. Uh, you can just click on my name and check out the tweets and replies because I've been been going after this. I've been going after this guy who smells his Twitter account just smells like Peter Thiel, and I've been going after him and going after him and going after him. Um, but let's move on. Let's move down ballot. Let's do down ballot watch. It's where we look at politics on a local and state level, like the politics, politics generally having to do with specific with government policy and, uh, on the state and local level, looks like Gavin Newsom's cracking down on the pigs, but it's not what you hoped it was. <laughs> they can damage lawns, crops, even vineyards, wild pigs to hunt just one of them. You need a permit. 
But a bill one step away from becoming law would change that, allowing for open season on wild pigs in this state to help control the population. Right now, there are an estimated 400,000 in California. The way they feed is they dig up the soil, literally like a rototiller, and absolutely destroy anything growing. Look what we woke up to. Chris Wood lives in Morgan Hill near the Anderson Reservoir. Two acres of his property were torn up recently by wild pigs. He says the nocturnal animals are taking over the neighborhood. Three or four neighbors who have driven their cars home, and they couldn't get out of their car because their driveway was filled with pigs. A bill from Napa State Senator Bill Dodd passed unanimously and is now sitting on the governor's desk. It would lift hunting restrictions on the hogs. So instead of getting one permit per pig, for $15 a year, you could hunt as many as you want. The spread that they've had. Today, the Department of Fish and Wildlife held a forum on the issue, saying wild pigs carry disease and will eat anything. They destroy the habitats of other native species and have learned to avoid traps. The destruction they, they, they cause is enormous. They're not at all native. And we've got to address this problem for the sake of um, of all of the folks and, and, and wildlife and critters who are being impacted by these, um, these feral pigs. Animal rights groups oppose the bill. Some hunters groups do too, saying if the permits aren't needed to hunt them, the state funding to acquire land and support big game animals will drop off. The bill would take effect in mid-2024. Chris Wood likes everything about the new bill. He just wishes people could start hunting the pigs sooner. Usually about one a day gets their lawns destroyed. We have 515 homes up here. So for 551 days, the pigs can feed technically. We need it now, not two years from now. Governor Newsom has until the end of the month to make a decision. In the South Bay, Ian Cole, NBC Bay Area News. So I just see one unintended consequence of this. What if two people on the opposite side of the pigs who aren't maybe because you, because they're not, maybe not very well uh, versed in the use of firearms. Two people on the opposite side of the pigs start pig hunting. And now they're actually hunting each other without even knowing it. I would hope they wear like an orange vest or something to denote themselves. That didn't stop Dick Cheney from shooting his lawyer, did it? That's true, but I mean, I think that might have been deliberate, let's be honest. <laughs> Who hasn't wanted to shoot their own attorney? Oh, oh, I don't know. That's a whole other <laughs> thing. Check out, I think, Catterday this week. We'll be watching some of that Alex Jones trial. Uh, but this will be good for good news for your old friend Johnny Camus and our new friend Matt Mahan down in Almaden who are dealing with the porkopolis um, issue constantly because um, they have a lot of wild boar down there in the Almaden Valley. So... This is good. They'll be able to euthanize their pigs, and they won't have to worry about uh, the city taking any sort of responsibility for it. It'll be the, maybe the those will be the maybe those will be the two people in the scenario I described earlier, just a few minutes ago. Well, that'd be kind of funny, actually. I would really enjoy that, like uh, Mayhem taking a bullet from Johnny Camus. Oh, I mean, I I would never say that, but, or vice versa. Uh, in fact, I don't think we're allowed to. But well, uh, living, not like the, I mean, I would imagine he'd live, and you know, he'd be fine, and he'd. The, hospital but, to rehabilitate him but and that's the odds of that are very low those people would both hire somebody especially mayhan would just hire somebody to take care of the pigs that's true that's true just please euthanize the pigs please hire a professional shoot actually pig. if you have the shoot means the you have the, if shoot you have the means the don't pig. go out and don't go out and buy a gun and just start shooting pigs in your neighborhood seems like a fucking bad idea yeah i i definitely don't have much of a taste for guns generally speaking so i, I would be 
hiring someone to, to take care of my porcopolypse problem. Anyway, we got a, <clears throat> unfortunately, we got a story about a, a homeless camp encampment by the San Jose airport. And it just says growing concerns about new homeless encampment. And it's like, well, you know, these, the people have been displaced. Now they're somewhere else. And, oh, we're so concerned about it. If you would, if these people would, if everybody involved would learn to recognize a pattern here and uh, direct their concern in like a positive way, I don't think we'd be covering the same story over and over and over and over again. Uh, but here we are from Fox here 2. Here we are again. Tonight, growing concern about a new homeless encampment in San Jose, and it's just a short distance from another one officials have spent more than a year trying to clean up. Well, no shit. Have consequences. So, uh, uh, go down the street, yeah. People that are fleeing the housing, and we've got to find a place to house the people that are wrecking the community for the rest of us. Wait, what? Community members calling for a That's a weird yeah. way to talk about it. Yes. Grow at a San Jose Park. Good evening, everyone. I'm Mike Meebach. Mike Meebach has a Columbus like Park square head. Occupied by dozens of people experiencing <laughs> homelessness. Boxy. People who moved there from Guadalupe Gardens. That camp on San Jose Airport properly was cleared out just this month due to federal safety concerns. New at 10, KTVU's LaMonica Peters live in San Jose with what she's learned. LaMonica? Yeah, after the city began clearing the encampment, it seems that the people who were living there simply picked up their things and moved across the street to Columbus Park. And right now, the city is allowing them to stay there. Here's my wonderful plot. Some jalapenos, some squash. David Kohler says he owns a plot at the Guadalupe Community Garden near San Jose's Columbus Park. And he's concerned about the number of RVs he sees on nearby streets. Wait a minute, I... This is the most fucked up thing in the world now. There's a community garden there and there's people there who are without a home. Probably some of them are food insecure. And this guy's like, get these people out of here. Not like, uh, do you want some jalapenos? <laughs> yeah, it was disturbing to say the least. <laughs> fucked up, man. The parking's hard because there's so many um, transitory motorhomes here that we can't actually enjoy a community garden. Kohler says the RVs have simply moved from one side of the street to the other since the city began clearing the encampment. People who use the garden are very bothered by and, and worried by it, but, you know, there hasn't been any recent incidents or anything, because I think most people are just trying to get a good night, a decent night's sleep and sleep where they can. San Jose oh, City Housing officials you. say so far they've provided 160 people with temporary or permanent housing as they clear the 40-acre property owned by the San Jose International Airport. The city also says they continue offering services and resources to those who were living in the encampment. There is no affordable housing, and um, that's why there's so many RVs and people. It's sad. Cheryl Imus says she's been living in the encampment for over a year, but she's been without a permanent house for about four years. She says she's working with the city to get back into her own home as soon as she can. Not everybody out here has mental issues, for one thing. Um, there are people on this street that go to work during the day. Um, there, are, there are nice people out here, and then at the same time, it's unsafe. The area owned by the airport has to be cleared by September 30th, and the city says they will meet that deadline. And in the meantime, they're going to keep an eye on the situation at Columbus Park, but their priority is to meet the FAA requirement. LaMonica Peters, KTVU, Fox 2 News.
Somebody needed to ask the guy at the community garden, go, sir, what is this community garden here for? It's a city garden. It's city, it's city property. Yeah. What, oh, my God. Yeah, the folks that use the garden are really concerned. Um, I drove my car here from my house, and I couldn't find a parking spot for my car that I drove from my house. Also, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this food that I grew here that I don't need. Yes. And I'm going to put it in my car as I walk past probably a dozen hungry people. Farm and, uh, to I'm not, table, Peter Steve. I'm going to walk right past them with the food because uh, they're they're just in the way actually and i have to walk past more of them now because there was more of them here and I, like like what the fuck is that? i thought the what the come on man this could have been like the feel-good story of the night where the community guard the homeless encampment shows up and the people at the community garden get together and start feeding the fucking people in the encampment but fucking no because this is no. san jose and we don't Absolutely. fucking roll that way of fucking no not. <clears throat> of course not that's exactly why it's on down ballot watch that's why it's on this show in the first place I mean, uh, this this uh, this cropped up on the local news, and I'm like, this is so down ballady. We have to talk about this because that is exactly what's what happens in San Jose. That's exactly what's what's quote unquote wrong with our city. Um, is that uh, this happens? That that's the that's the attitude, generally speaking, right? Um, it's ridiculous. Anyone with uh, any sort of conscience or any in eyes can see the obvious need, right? So let's do something. And yeah, every time I pass that site, it's ironic as fuck. It, it rings in my head how ironic it is that this community garden is right there. Right there. And there's this big black wrought iron fence around the fucking uh, garden. Well, the, the, fence around the, the fence around the garden, it keeps out the pigs. That's, well, well that's true, actually. Yeah. If, 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 it were, if the pigs but came through, then they would lose their tomatoes. It took me like about 15 seconds to get really mad at that guy, right? <laughs> Not even, right? Not even. God. I, I just don't, don't just, know. Just don't again, know people. there's a community garden there. The people that don't, they don't live near, I guess they, they have to drive there from their homes. They're all yeah. probably doing pretty well. And they yep. go to the community garden. And they, 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 they see people, I guess, who, uh, I don't know, maybe like use a little bit of help. And they're just like, get away. It's my jalapenos. <laughs> it's like, you fucking <laughs> piece of shit. You absolute fucking piece of shit. Like, well, but they, you know, they're, they're just trying to, I need a place to, you know, Get a good night's sleep. You know, I had to step over them, though. I had to step over the smelly person. You motherfucker, should have. No. You should. You should have been. Should have been stepping around there, going, "Hey, I, I don't. I wasn't able to pull much today, but can I give you this?" <laughs> All right. Well, we got another car versus building today, and based on the the the, the shot we got here, based on the fucking thumbnail we have on this video, it looks like looks like somebody's up in the ante. Both. With the kind of vehicle and the density of the property they're hitting, <laughs> this isn't funny. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be laughing. I I shouldn't be laughing at this. But this is a. Uh, this is a uh, and another thing. This will be our last story for the evening. Don't go anywhere. Though we got local love coming up next. This is a car versus building. Take seven hundred and forty three. A terrifying ordeal for a family in Vallejo this morning when a stolen moving truck crashed right into their apartment building. KTV's Christina Rendon joining us now to tell us how a woman helped to rescue her grandson who was trapped. Christina? Well, Alex, that grandmother told us she was asleep when that large rental truck rammed right into their unit at the Village View Apartments. Take a look at that. She said she thought it was an earthquake. Maybe a bomb had gone off, but then she heard her grandson screaming. The truck, it's inside the building. It's inside our living room. He's screaming for me, I'm screaming for him. And then the driver hopped out and actually ran towards me down the hallway 
And see that window there? Mm -hmm. There's a window that you can't see. He busted out and broke out and ran off. This all happened on Redwood Street at about 6 o'clock this morning. The grandmother says she ran upstairs to her neighbors, or her upstairs neighbors rather, helped her pull debris off to free her 14-year-old grandson. That boy hurt his ankle getting out, and she told us he is very shaken up. He's going to be tra traumatized because his life was spared, but he has nothing. Nothing. Everything of his was in there. He's a, a master in karate, a black belt. Those are all his trophies and some, of course, you can't see. He plays for the local high school football team, but he's going to be... And they really upped the ante on the side of the vehicle they ran into the building on this one. To realize, <laughs> you know, what he survived. This is a scary way to wake up. That apartment unsafe. unit has been red tagged as unsafe to live in, and the Red Cross is now. No shit, that apartment building's unsafe Ooh. to live in, you say? Vallejo police Damn. confirmed that that moving truck had Impressive. been stolen, but there's no word yet this hour on whether that driver has been found. He ran off after the crash. Reporting in studio, Christina Rendell, <laughs> KTVU, Fox 2 News. Crazy town. All right, so who won? Uh, uh, car the fucking, or oh, the fucking vehicle won. Yeah, I think the vehicle definitely won that one. But that, that was, was like a that was like a box tremendous. truck. That was like a box truck. Usually, it's like one time yeah. we saw like a like a full size van. It wasn't quite a panel van. The other time, it was like just a a compact car. And these people, it was like a full on Penske box truck that sounds like when it's idling, it was going to defeat the building. But also, then again, you know, to your point from earlier, not just some sort of flimsy. A plexiglass door at a CVS, right? This is a serious apartment, you know, with wood, yeah, it was apartment wood, building. Uh, yeah, two two by fours and and studs in the walls. So it it did some serious damage. It's re it red tagged the uh, the unit. So yeah, props to the vehicle. Vehicle wins. Vehicle, well, I mean, not props. Some people, they're I don't know. Nobody won in that, but that was well. Yeah, I mean, it could go into winners and losers. I suppose the family, you know, family's displaced, obviously. Um, but they can come crash here with the good wife and me and bad baby anytime. We got room. Right on. Well, you know what people say you're really good at, Councilman? Cooking? Reading the show out. You want to read the show out for us? Uh, da, da, da. All right. Well, hey, thanks everyone for joining us. As always, listener, keep on downloading, keep on sharing with your friends. If you know anyone who's into local news and local politics, whether it's in the Bay Area or anywhere else, it's all the same. All Derp is local. Come back here every set, uh, Tuesday at 7.30 Pacific. Join me and producer Dave and our special guests when we have special guests. Um, and uh, uh, Definitely follow us on all the different channels. Give us a, a, a subscription on Twitch. Go uh, hit up our Patreon page and uh, you know do all the things. You can go to echoplexmedia.com to find out about how to do all those things. And make sure you're wearing pants, but it's totally optional. And I hear you can get the Pfizer booster, but the Moderna booster, you're pretty much SOL. So have a good week, everybody. <laughs> Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage waiting for FTV Where are those guys who's dead?
standing next to me with the pipe in his hand, ready to play for me. About five minutes later, we're all singing Queen to get the fuck up on stage and rock the scene. Yeah, we do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Just when the magic starts kicking in Now here we left playing and you know it's time to head in Alright everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it and then pass it to me, yeah We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want What we want to do what we want is to jam So sit back and The joint now who's got my lighter Stoner E of course shouldn't you be inside I'm all up in this bitch being who I gotta be I'm fucked up like the US economy The truth is is that I don't think logically Stoner E take you on a psychedelic odyssey Now inside motherfuckers is rocking me And outside shit we smoke a lot of broccoli Rocky the rolly all the sexy girl be jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck but I'll probably do a sloppily We do what we want and what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Sunday, 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 right here on twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. It's the Plex, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific and on into red light.
we have the worst news in the week that no one else will cover. The Plex has it all. Conspiracy, right-wing nut jobs, Christian extremism, and Madison Star Moon. Tune in every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia and find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com.